from the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C. This is Jeff Flannery at the Library of Congress. Saturday, September 24th, will mark the 16th year that book lovers of all ages have gathered in Washington, D.C. to celebrate the written word at the Library of Congress National Book Festival. The festival, which is free and open to the public, will be held at the Walter E. Washington Convention Center in Washington, D.C. Hours will be from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. For more details, visit www.loc.gov bookfest. And now it's my distinct pleasure to introduce Candace Millard, whose latest book is titled Hero of the Empire, The Boer War, A Daring Escape, and the Making of Winston Churchill. Ms. Millard, a former writer and editor at National Geographic Magazine, is the author of two New York Times list bestsellers, The River of Doubt, Theodore Roosevelt's Darkest Journey, and Destiny of the Republic, A Tale of Madness, Medicine, and the Murder of a President. Candace, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Candace, you have written about extraordinary American leaders, namely Presidents Theodore Roosevelt and James Garfield. Now you have pivoted to write about an extraordinary British leader, Winston Churchill. Why? Well, you know, I to be honest, I didn't set out to write about American presidents. It just kind of grew out of my work at National Geographic. I um, was interested in writing about the Amazon, which is how I came to the story about Theodore Roosevelt on his expedition there. And then I was actually looking into um, Alexander Graham Bell. I wanted another story with a lot of science, which is how I found out about James Garfield's assassination and the details of that. And so the same is true with Winston Churchill. I actually was really interested in the story around um, the Boer War and what happened to him there. I had heard just the very, this was the kernel of it years ago, 25 years ago. I had heard that during the Boer War in South Africa, Churchill had gone there as a journalist and been captured, taken as a prisoner of war, and escaped. And I was just stunned by that story because I had never heard it. And I would, you know, over the years I would mention it to people and they had never heard it. And so I just kind of tucked it away in my back pocket. And um, after I turned in the manuscript for my book about James Garfield, I thought again, I turned again to this story. Um, but I didn't know anything, as most Americans, I didn't know anything about the Boer War. And I, I knew that this story sort of needed a larger palette uh, for it. And so I thought, is the Boer War important enough? And is what happened to Churchill there important enough for, to justify an entire book? So I started looking into it, and I was just blown away. I mean, this is really, honestly, the beginning of modern warfare, the Boer War is. And it's absolutely, without question, the making of, the launching of perhaps the greatest political career in history, that of, of Winston Churchill. Yes, Churchill is one of those larger-than-life figures. But most Americans know him only as the resilient and jolly face of <laughs> British resistance during World War II. And your book describes him as a young man. During the course of your research, what part of Churchill's early life that you discovered surprised you the most? Well, I think that's one of the fun things about this book, and you'll see on the, on the cover of, of the book, there's a picture of him at this time in his life. He's 24 years old, and I think to most people, he wouldn't even be recognizable as Winston Churchill. He's thin, he has this mop of red hair, 
Um, he's athletic um, and he's young. He's 24. And um, what to me was most astonishing going into it, knowing, okay, I'm writing about this very young man, very different, as you say, from the Winston Churchill most of us think about. But while he looked very different on the outside, on the inside, he was fully Winston Churchill. It's just astonishing. I mean, I don't know what you were like when you were 24 years old, but I had no idea who I was or who I wanted to be, or certainly no idea how I would get there. But Churchill had it all mapped out. He was already incredibly brilliant, incredibly arrogant, incredibly, incredibly ambitious, always elbows out. So he's 24 years old. When he goes to this war, he's already written three books, already fought and been involved in four wars on three different continents, and run for parliament. <laughs> and he lost that first election, but he ran. It's just incredible how much he was able to pack into just 24 years of life. And then you look forward, obviously, he lives to be 90 years old, and he just never stops. It's just extraordinary, but it was just astonishing to me that he was already just so fully formed at such a young age. If you read any of his letters at that time, they're incredibly articulate, they're funny, they're smart, and they give this uh, fascinating picture of him, not just as a young man, but as a young man who knew he was special, who knew that he was destined for greatness. You know, when he's running for parliament the first time before this war, he writes a letter to the woman who has been the great love of his life, and he says, you know, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen in this election. I don't know if I'm going to win or lose. But I do know that with each speech I give, I feel my growing powers. And he knew that he was going to go somewhere great. Yes, yes, indeed. Candace, um, I know you as a longtime diligent user of the Library of Congress's <laughs> manuscript division and numerous other archival repositories. Can you comment on what is the importance of working with primary sources and preserving them for future generations, such as these letters that Churchill wrote when he was a young man? To me, it's the most important thing. You know, as, as I mentioned earlier, and as you mentioned as well, I worked at National Geographic, and I always think of that as my real education because I, I learned there the importance of deep primary source research. And to me, and it, and it, you know, it takes me a lot longer than my editor would like to, to finish a book, but it's very, very important to me to do my own research to, to go to these places where these things happen, but to also go to the archives and work myself with these letters, these journals, these newspapers. Um, because, first of all, you go in, you have certain things. You've, you've done basic research to know that there's a story there. And so you go in knowing, okay, there are these certain particular things that I need. But you never know what you're going to find. It's just, it's just astonishing. And, and it's, it opens up your story, and it lets you understand it so much better in such a much deeper way. And it connects you to the, the story and to the people who lived it. You know, I think that when you are writing about somebody like Theodore Roosevelt or somebody like Winston Churchill, they're such, they loom so large in our um, national and our world imagination that become, they become almost mythical. And it's so important to hold a letter in your hand that they wrote 
or a diary, um, or they're physical. Like I, I went to the um, National Museum of um, Health and Medicine when I was working on the Garfield book, and I held in my gloved hand Garfield's a section of Garfield's spine where the bullet that killed him went through his spine, and so it's just it's this very visceral um, connection that you make with history going back in time. And, um, and it, I think it's hugely important for the kind of work that I do. And plus, it's just so much fun. I mean, it's absolutely, without question, my favorite part of the process. And I, I always have to eventually just tell myself I, I need to stop and, <laughs> and start writing because I could, I could just go on and on. It's just, and what the Library of Congress has is, is a national treasure without question. And I always I always encourage people because people don't know. They think that you have to be working on some big book or something to go. And I say, no, you just need to go get a reader ID card, and you can go experience these things for, for yourself. And that's such a gift to all of us. Yes, yes, indeed. You had mentioned uh, about finishing the book and how uh, your work in primary sources takes you a little longer than your editors might, uh, <laughs> might realize. But uh, what other challenges do you face as a writer? Well, I think that um, it's a challenge. You know, I, I'm uh, also a mother. I have three young children, and um, and I started writing books about the time I started having children. And so um, that's obviously, you know, as any working parent knows, um, that's a difficult balancing act. But what I found is that, at least for me, it just takes as long as it takes, you know, and um as much as I love my children, as much as I love spending time with them, my office is this um, very peaceful <laughs> place. You know, out of the, the storm of the children, I, um, I drop them off at school and I come into work and I have, a, I have an office outside of my home um, that's just lined with books and filled with papers. I'm very old school and then I have a ton, a ton of um, you know, uh, filing drawers full of papers, and um, and I'm surrounded by these people. And the best part is that I close that door and I go back in time. And I really um, spend time with these people to the extent that, you know, I think about them all the time. And when I finish writing a book, and certainly when I finish a book tour, I miss them. You know, I, I they become sort of my friends or people I feel like I know intimately. And, and I miss that. I miss that connection with them. And so I guess the struggle is then sort of leaving behind what you've been working on and going forward and, and taking on the next story. Sure, you have to find a new set of friends after that. <laughs> That's uh, right, which is always challenging as any kid who's had to change schools knows. Yes, yes. <laughs> so... Uh, Finally, can you tell us what you were most looking forward to about participating in uh, this year's National Book Festival? Well, I will say, and this is absolutely honest, I'm not just saying this, I always tell people that my favorite speaking um, experience has been at the National Book Festival when I was there in 2011 with Destiny of the Republic because you get all the best authors um, in the world. You know, everybody that I'm interested in, everyone I read, everyone I admire, every hero I have is at that book festival. And so it's so much fun um, both to give the talk and, and have in the audience people who are genuinely interested um, in history because they come to that tent or that 
section that's history and biography because that's our interest. And so it's this great connection that you get with the audience. But then when you're done, you get to go around and meet all these people that you so admire. And um, it's just so much fun. I'll never forget one of my favorite memories when in 2011, Cokie Roberts very, very generously introduced me to David McCullough, who's one of my heroes, like at the top of the list. And he was so gracious and kind to me. And I'll never forget it. It was just this incredible opportunity that I would not have anywhere else. Yes, yes. And um, uh, I, I know David. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and you have emulated him when you had said that you had your separate office over to the book <laughs> line. Uh, he, he has one, too. I know. I've seen pictures of it, and I, I love it. Yes. Real yeah. deal. Well, we've been hearing from author Candace Millard, who will appear on Saturday, September 24th, in the History and Biography Pavilion at the National Book Festival at the Washington Convention Center. Her new book is Hero of the Empire, The Boer War, A Daring Escape, and the Making of Winston Churchill. Candace, thank you. Thank you very much. This has been a presentation of the Library of Congress. Visit us at loc.gov.